Welcome to the new Cat Chat, brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, the wonderful private company owned by Dr. Elsie, whose mission is to formulate litters to keep cats in their loving homes with his proven veterinarian-formulated litter box solutions for the health of all members of the family. I'm Tracy Hotchner, the author of The Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know, and my mission has always been to entertain, educate, and inspire cat lovers to offer their kitty cats the best possible life in nutrition, affection, and environmental enrichment. With Dr. Elsie's support, Cat Chat brings you interviews with cat authors and experts, some old favorites, some new conversations, so you can better understand and appreciate your feline family members. Sit back and enjoy. It is great to have a doctor who specializes in cats join me. It's been a while since I've had a marvelous feline specialist here. Bruce Kornreich is a doctor. He's actually the associate director at the Cornell Feline Health Center, which is a center that we've talked to doctors from there over the years, especially on Cat Chat. It conducts and sponsors research that prevents and treats disease in cats. But today we're going to talk about diseases, I guess you could say, in people. Dr. Bruce, thank you so much for taking time out from the Feline Center to help us understand cat scratch disease. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Well, do you have to be super? uh, It's lovely to have you here. And You know, the the kitties, of course, are the underserved creatures in everyone's home. And I have to say, guilty, guilty that so many dog things overtake one in the world. And, you know, you read an article in the New York Times and you're like, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, cats... They're in everybody's house, and this well, issue... Well, in fact, there are more cats yes, exactly. in everybody's houses in the United States now than there are dogs. Yeah, and we don't, we don't always do right by them. We don't give them the fullest life. We don't, you know, we, we love them equally, but in their Absolutely. own way, and they are not as demanding, so they're willing to put up with a much lower quality of life than a dog is. And we're doing and, well, our, and, and right? certainly different uh, different characters for sure. Yes, and also we. But we like to take very good care of them. As, well, as, uh, I yeah. think I think people would like to take or should like to take or should learn that there's better ways to take care of them than what we're now doing. And I I hope you'll come back on subsequent occasions and discuss the whole issue of feline enrichment and what cats Absolutely. really need and deserve versus what we give them, which I do believe is the short end of the stick. They're they're kind of like the. Well, redheaded stepchild is the stupidest comment. Me being a redhead, I've never been treated like a stepchild. <laughs> but that's a whole other story. Cats, Although, having said that, um, yes. I do know people who spoil their cats very much. I hope in the right way, not just feeding them a bunch of food that makes them fat. Oh, no, no, no. Could no, no, be discussed. Right. Because obesity is another issue that we that's could probably right. talk about. Oh, my God. That, right? We could at great <laughs> length. Mm-hmm. We won't even go there at the moment. But cat scratch <laughs> fever, yeah, you you might have heard me ever mention the phrase kitty crack. I'm rather rabid, excuse the expression, on the topic of feeding the obligate carnivore the meat he or she needs. Uh, So cat scratch fever is something people don't fully understand how they get it. I know that there's a wonderful lady, Ellen Suki, who created Neko Flies, which are these brilliant cat toys. They're just fantastic. I should actually get some sent up to you guys. I had some sent down to the... uh, to University of Pennsylvania, I'm sure you know Carlos Siracusa, and they do some oh, yeah. work down there. No, I'd, I'd love to, please. Oh, uh, the Neko flies are out of this world, but she has marvelous, gorgeous cats that she does a lot of um, personal research on what kind of movement in her toys most excites and interests cats of different personalities. And she got scratched one day by a newer kitten that she'd oh. got, and she was hospitalized. And I remember yeah. hearing this years ago from her and thinking, 
hospitalized. So tell us about the whole issue of what 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 are the dangers of being scratched by a cat? Sure, that's a good question. It's actually not um, not surprising that this was a kitten in this story that you're talking about. So cat oh, scratch disease is a bacterial infection. Um, it's actually uh, the bacterium involved is called Bartonella hensile. Okay. Uh, and this is actually carried in many cats depending upon which study you uh, you cite. Right. Uh, between 25 and 40% of cats may carry this bacterium at some point in their lives. An important point to note is that uh, most cats that have this disease don't show any signs of illness. Rarely they may have signs of illness um, and show some, uh, some you know, signs on physical examination and behaviorally, but the vast majority of them um, show no signs of illness. So owners don't even have um, the, 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 the possibility of a bacterial infection in mind. So right, the thing is right. The, the bacterium is transmitted by fleas. Oh, really? It, oh, my. Yes. I didn't even know that. Sure, from the cat from the cat flea, and the thing is that um, the cat the cat fleas can carry, um, or, or the bacterium is transmitted either in the flea droppings or the dirt right. feces, um, or by bites. And again, basically, uh, the cats can become infected from these fleas either by being bitten or by scratching and biting at the fleas. Right. They can also kind of pick the fleas up in infected. Um, uh, you know, in their nails and in their teeth, and then they can all, they can then infect people uh, when they bite or scratch them. Uh, in, in you know, in most cases, uh, particularly you know, minor cat scratches and bites um, are uneventful. In some cases, you may have some localized swelling, um, but um, in 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 uh, cases of cat scratch disease, you can actually develop. Uh, more significant problems in the area. The area may become swollen, a kind of red uh, with a round raised lesion. Sometimes you'll have like a exudation or what people would call pus coming from this lesion. And ultimately, uh, you may have lymph node enlargements, you know, lymph nodes that right. actually drain the area that's uh, uh, wounded. Um, and people can actually go on to develop fever, headaches, exhaustion, uh, poor appetite, that sort of thing. So, you know, this is... Um, it's not a common disease, but it's something that people should be aware of, and it's something that also, uh, if people start to see this um, uh, constellation of signs after being bitten or scratched by a cat, they should certainly contact their their physician uh, for a consultation. Well, what's interesting is that most of the time when we're talking about pets and their illnesses, we're really focusing on the cat's illnesses, FELV, you know, UTIs, upper respiratory sure. problems. So we say cat scratch disease, we think, oh, the cats get a disease called cat scratch disease. But that isn't right. the case, right? It's right. a transmittable That's disease. That's but, right. It's, it's but, what we call it a zoonotic disease. So a zoonotic disease is one that can be passed from animals to people. But the difference uh, and, is, uh, if I'm if I'm not wrong, that the cat is not showing signs, symptoms, or or any harm from carrying. They're it's, just a carrier. That's right. In rare cases, they can uh, show signs of illness, so inflammation of different parts of their body, like their eyes, their oral cavity. Uh, rare cases, their heart. But yeah, it's definitely true that most cats don't show signs, so owners aren't even on the lookout for any kind of a problem. And what about people that do trap, neuter, return and are involved with feral cats? I think that uh, 
although well, the people, it's certainly a concern. Right, I mean, they, they're not well protected. If I, I, That's why I say to people, if you want to maintain a feral colony and you want to help with TNR, someone who is already skilled in doing it and has the right equipment, including big leather gloves for a, a truly Absolutely. feral cat, should be the one to r- try to remove that cat from the from the trap and so forth and so on, right? Well, sure. Well, it's definitely true because, I mean, the things that are, you know, the factors that will put a cat at risk and an associated person who's in contact with that cat at risk for Bartonella infection or cat scratch disease in the person uh, would be primarily exposure to fleas and with other cats who have exposure to fleas that may carry uh, this this um, uh, bacterium. So, you know, cats are sort of a natural vector for the yeah. bacterium. And when there's not good flea control going on, which is usually the case with feral cats, then uh, that's certainly a concern uh, for the people who are working with them. So that's an important reason to use Vectra or any of the good topical spot-ons on your owned cat on a very regular basis because often people will say, well, I've never seen a flea on my cat. I haven't even seen the flea poo, which is the, that little you know, black dirt on that's them. Right. But that's, that's right. because these good topicals kill all three life cycles of a flea. So it doesn't well, take... Well, flea control is just, you know, the best thing that people can do is, number one, keep their cats indoors. Yes, definitely. Um, and, then, and it is true that um, uh, cats, probably more so than dogs, cats can be carrying fleas without showing outward signs of that. Yep. So often they are itchy. Certainly cats very commonly get flea bite dermatitis or allergic reactions to flea bites. But they can also be carriers that are not as apparent in terms of the carrier status for fleas as they might be, for example, with dogs. So, uh, yeah, the flea is really an important consideration in management uh, and prevention of this disease. So have you deal with many cats all the time, both owned and unowned cats, community cats, I'm sure, at the Cornell Feline Health Center. Uh, Were you trained early on in your own training? And when you're doing teaching, do you emphasize this to students and, sure, we and, do. And, and, but again, then do people I'm, I'm get sorry. lazy or sloppy and go, oh, come on, cats are fine? And then have you yourself or other doctors or students gotten sick from it and everybody gets the wake-up call? Is it a little bit something that everyone's not that stringent about until the alarm bell sounds? Well, I mean, I, I do have colleagues who have actually been hospitalized from this. I, I want to find wow. something wooden to knock on right here. I personally have never... I've I've been bitten and scratched by cats, but thankfully I haven't had an advanced case that required antibiotics or anything. Uh, but you know, in terms of you know, I think we always have to be on the lookout for becoming too complacent. Yes. Regarding any of a number of things in life, and certainly in dealing with animals, you know, we do our best to make animals comfortable, um, happy, and and healthy when we're working with them. But uh, cats and and dogs and any animal can become unpredictable. Yep. So I, I have the good fortune to work with great students here at uh, Cornell University in the clinic. I'm actually a cardiologist by training. Oh, really? So, yeah. So I see a lot of cats. A lot of cats have heart disease, for example. We do work with a lot of cats. And, and I am very um, kind of strict uh, with my students about being careful about cat bites and cat scratches. Certainly, dog bites or, or, or you know, any potential danger from any animal, I feel that that's incumbent upon me as an instructor. But, you know, we're, we're pretty aware, and, and uh, cats that are, you know, if cats get um, upset or scared in the yes. clinic, uh, they can become difficult to deal with. I always say I would much rather deal with a dog um, that is afraid or, or not being compliant than I would a cat that is afraid or not being compliant because 
you know, in my experience, quite frankly, a cat's much harder to deal with. And, and cats, uh, and cats uh, lash out. It's how they protect themselves. Their first instinct is to scratch, hiss, and bite, and it happens oh, yeah. so fast. I and mean, they have five weapons compared yes. to a dog's one. That's yes. the way I look at it. And, so. and, and that's their first line of defense. Their first line of defense isn't to appease and shrink and try and get that's away. Right. It's to go at you and for you. That's how they've survived so long. I guess that... You know, it's it's a curious thing. People own cats, and I used to get all these calls on the air. I don't know what to do when I'm patting my cat. All seems well, and then it turns on me, and it bites me, or it scratches me. And there are so many cats at home in a very comfy setting, much less in the high intensity, fear you know inducing experience of a clinic and all the things that are fear inducing in a cat to it, where they reach a saturation point. And as you obviously know. There are cats who, after three or four strokes, they're done. And people oh, sure. are not looking at the body language and seeing that cat stiffen and the tip of the tail swish and that cat in a heartbeat, like an, I think of an alligator, like, whomp, they'll bite you or whomp, they'll scratch oh, sure. you. And so the no, people and say it was unprovoked, a... but it was provoked by the person usually. Well, you, and it's interesting because and it's, so this is something that we could certainly talk about on subsequent um, uh, get-togethers. If right. Like. But, you know, that whole thing about... You know, you would, aggression, meaning some sort of yes. um, uh, you know, an aggressive move by a cat, that can really be elicited by a lot of things. Usually in the clinic we deal with primarily what we would call fear aggression, which yep. is defensive behavior toward an yep. unfamiliar stimulus. Perhaps in some cases it's pain. We're starting to realize now that cats oh. get osteoarthritis and things probably more than we realize. And sometimes cats are become aggressive out of pain. But they can also do things, you know, predatory aggression, uh, where they stalk things, yes. they may stalk the owner. Yep. Sometimes uh, play aggression um, in young cats and kittens. So remember that cats and kitten, kittens learn how to play appropriately with their litter That's mates. That's right. Uh, by if they if they bite too much, they'll either be retaliated against, or the other kitten will make and will vocalize and then um, stop playing. Right. Um, so uh, there could be uh, redirected aggression is when yep. a cat is aroused by one thing and then it directs its aggression toward another. So maybe a cat sees a bird outside the window, the owner comes over, the cat is very worked up from seeing the bird and they uh, strike out at the yep. owner you know, unexpectedly. So, yeah, there are a lot of reasons that a cat uh, may do this. Um, but cats but, you know, do lash thing, out. What they do they, is they, they can, lash out. You know, and they so, can, and, and you know, it's really important that people take precautions. Um, you know, knowing that many ostensibly healthy cats uh, may be carrying this bacterium, it's not a reason to panic, I don't think, uh, but, it's, uh, but it's a reason to be well-informed and to take actions to, number one, prevent bites and scratches, and number two, uh, be vigilant and careful uh, if, if they are to occur. Well, one of the things that, that Cornell has let people know is that the Centers for Disease Control found that recently a yearly amount of 12,500 people, and these are people that it was reported, I'm sure the number is way higher, get yeah. cat scratch disease, and 500 of them are hospitalized. Maybe the 500 number is correct. I'm sure the 12,500 is very low because people, you know, they might get a mild form of the disease or their doctor doesn't report it. I don't think that sure. there's any law and about that, reporting it. That particular study, of course, you know, we're very aware of that because, you know, we, we keep track of not only right. 
uh, feline well-being, but also things that may affect attitudes of folks towards cats. Yes, and uh, particularly that particular study. Right. Sorry, guys. Sorry, what go ahead. Saying? No, that particular study. No, that particular study. study was you know was interesting. They actually looked back at uh, um, health insurance records, and they actually what they did was they reviewed. Um, I don't have the name of the, of the registry right now, right. but they looked. They looked. They looked retrospectively between 2005 and 2013 at health insurance records for physicians' uh, key diagnoses that oh, said interesting. cat scratch disease. Now, interestingly, that study, I believe, did not include people less than 65 years of age. You had to be um, over 65 for it to count? No, oh, you had to be under 65. Oh, under. Right, right. That's funny. Uh, and, and it was actually, you know, and the way I, it's a very important study because, you know, it, it helps us know a little bit more about the epidemiology of this yep. disease. Uh, it talks about groups that may be more at risk. It talks about... Uh, when and where you may have spikes. So one one um, interesting finding in this paper was that it appears that the incidence of cat scratch disease spikes in January. Uh, How and then there are all there are all sorts of hypotheses regarding why this may be the case. So for example, is it that people get kittens for around the holidays, for example, um, and they they're, they're playing with kittens more because they just got a kitten right. for either. Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever. Yep. Um, what I'd love yeah. to jump to, just in, in concluding, because we're running out of time, is sure. th- this information said to wash the wound with soap and running water. Surely there's something more that one can do, or is that really it? Well, that's the most. That's really an, uh, a very important thing. Th- and, that's and it. That's it right the best away. you can do to disinfect. Um, in, well, generally speaking, you know, the recommendation right now is really just to wash the cat bites and scratches right away. Yep. Wash your hands with soap after playing with your cat, especially if you're living with young people right. or with weakened immune systems. And be very careful about having cats less than one year of age um, play in a manner that may promote scratches and bites with people uh, that are immunosuppressed. So older people, right, and younger. Young people, well, this is really this people. is really great news for all the adult cats in the shelters. You guys, forget about the kittens. Control fleas, flea control, yep, very absolutely, important. Absolutely. So those of you that are are going to add a cat to your life for the first time or add to other cats, think adult cats. They are they're they're the cleaner choice, and there's so they're many wonderful. adult cats languishing in shelters instead of the kittens. Dr. Bruce Cormack, this is really terrific advice, and we will all take it to heart. Thank you so much Please for being do. with us. Thank you for having. Me. Thank you for listening. I hope this conversation has deepened your understanding and affection for cats everywhere. It's been brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, which has broken new ground by creating a healthy, dry, and canned food for kitties called Clean Protein, which is inspired by the protein levels found in a cat's natural prey, so your cat's appetite is satisfied longer without compromising her health. This is the first dry cat food I believe can be a healthy choice if you want to feed dry cat food to your cat, even as part of her diet, although I recommend that canned food should always be your cat's primary diet. Feel free to reach out to me with questions or comments to radiopetlady at gmail.com. Talk soon.